Hey there! Are you tired of waiting for the next episode of It's Probably Not Aliens? Well, we've got some good news for you. On Nebula, our streaming service, you can get access to all our episodes a week early. That's right, you'll never have to wait again to hear Scott and I debunk the latest ancient astronaut theory or get a movie fact wrong. But that's not all. Nebula is home to dozens of content creators we know you like, so you can find all your favorites in one place. Plus, we post content on there that you won't find anywhere else. And the best part? By signing up for Nebula at nebula.tv slash probablynotaliens, you're directly supporting the show and both of us. So don't wait any longer. Join Nebula today and listen to the next episode right after this one. When you told me that this episode was going to be about Chaco Canyon, I rushed to not I ru- I rushed to not look anything up about it. Okay. If that makes any sense. I immediately because stopped googling fr- things. I immediately stopped. My hands froze above my keyboard and I instead was I instead wondered if it had any connection to Mario Kart. Do you do you I, understand why? So this is going to be one of the things that outs me as a big weirdo. Okay. Um, my dad, who I love very much, he's a great guy. But you're about to throw under the bus. Uh, a little bit. So my dad in the early 90s decided that he had a laptop from work uh-huh. that he could bring home from work and we could install Doom on it. Uh, but then we had okay. to uninstall it by the end of the night so we couldn't save any progress because he had to take it back to work the next day and he couldn't have games um. on his computer. And he concluded that that was enough so that little Tristan did not need a Nintendo. Didn't Um, have Nintendo. Didn't have any Mario's. So I basically did not ever get a gaming console until uh, the PlayStation era. So my first Nintendo console was a Nintendo 64, in which case I was already sort of on the upper age of like real childhood stuff. But it basically means that uh, Tristan has never uh, owned. Actually, no, I have now had my first own my first Mario game, which is Super Mario Odyssey. What a great game. Yeah, it's pretty good. But um, it does mean that in a weird way, I like have missed out on millennial nostalgia because I where like the part of my brain where like everyone's dopamine receptors just start lighting up when they hear like the Mario theme or like Link doing something to me, that space in my brain was filled with like early 90s PC games, which was basically exclusively the realm of like Gen Xers. So where like Mario jumping on happy little mushrooms and like shooting balls of fire, I assume at like Bowser, um, Uh where that part of the brain in my head is filled with Diablo, a rated mature game about um, delving into a dungeon beneath a church that is full of Satan and human like devils and human human sacrifice and has a monster called the butcher and a room full of uh, human body parts and viscera. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, that's you're that's so close to Mario Kart um, (laughs) that I feel like you have we have similar experiences. Yeah. Just a little glimpse as to how I became this. (laughs) (laughs) 
Well, so I bring it up because in in Mario Kart 64 and other Mario Karts, but I believe it's it first appeared in Mario Kart 64, uh, which is a game you presumably could have had if because you, you had a Nintendo 64. It's true, but, but once the 64, like once I got the 64, I then I then like didn't have the nostalgia of like the old Mario games. for me to then be like, I want to go and buy the Mario games. So when I had, I had a 64 and the only games I had were like Pokemon Snap. And Mario Kart isn't really a more, it's just a racing game. Well, it's just a race. It's a fun little racing game with your friends. I I mostly had Super Smash Brothers and then I rented a bunch of games. We can't get lost in the weeds talking about Nintendo 64. Mm -hmm. My point is there is a track in Mario Kart 64 called Chaco Mountain. Okay. And I thought, and it's, if you can believe it, it's like a mountain of like chocolate. Nintendo specifically says it's not edible and you cannot eat Chaco Mountain, but it is like a chocolate mountain. And so I thought, I was like, is there some sort of connection between Chaco Mountain and Chaco in the real life Chaco Canyon? Is like, it obviously, like if themed at all? Well, that's so that's what I was wondering. I was like, I don't know anything about Chaco Canyon. So maybe throughout this episode, you'll say some stuff about it and I'll be like, that's just like the Mario thing. Well, it is made of chocolate. Uh, I did not get to that part, but it, it's a little bit further down. Okay. But yes, uh, Chaco, Chaco Canyon is weirdly made of chocolate. Yeah. Well, I think we, that mystery solved immediately. Yeah. <laughs> That was easy. This was a podcast. Is uh, what's it called? This that was. was it. prob- it's probably not aliens. Um, we <laughs> turn was, it. It definitely <laughs> is chocolate. Uh, it's not aliens. Definitely is chocolate. Definitely is Mario Kart. But hey, this is a podcast, by the way. This is a podcast that is happening now. In this show, we look at ancient alien conspiracy theories. We mostly debunk them, right? But we look into them. And in doing so, we learn about the real life history of cool people and places and things. And this is this is a place. This is a place episode. We're going to one of the prettiest parts of America, the Southwest, which I, 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 I definitely love. Uh, I have a Lowe's lot of- Southwestern Grill. My name is Scott Nicewander. I know nothing. I'm the host of this show that comes completely unprepared, except for the fact that I do have SuperMarioWiki.com pulled up <laughs> on the page about Chaco Mountain. That's the extent of research that I have done. Yeah, you're the one who, um, I'm the one who does the research with uh, the library books. You're the one who finds the appropriate wikia for mm-hmm. any given uh, topic we're doing. Because yes, I know you did find me. the Scooby-Doo stuff and- um, um, you did find what was that weird um, that boat show that you um, that you dug up from like the boat dark show. recesses of um, the, the high school on a boat. This this sweet life on deck. There you go. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I forgot about that. Um, my name is Tristan Johnson, and I I I somehow cram enough stuff into my brain that I can uh, satisfy my endless thirst to um, to correct bad bad takes on TV. Yes. So today we are. It. Yeah. So today we're do- as I said, we're going to the Southwest and oh boy. Um, so this is going to touch on some previous episodes we did. This is going to touch on some some funky things and also just showing some really cool stuff that uh, shows just how ancient uh, the people on our continent are. So according to ancient aliens. Yeah. Hit me with it. What's this theory about Chaco Canyon? 
I I keep wanting to say Chaco Mountain. Yeah, Chaco Mountain. This is an opposite of a mountain. This, this is, is a, this is the inverse Chaco. Mountain. Yeah, it's, this is its uh, arch nemesis, um, Nega Nega Chaco Mountain. <laughs> Nega Chaco. Yeah. Um, so this is a place called Chaco Canyon, and according to ancient aliens, isn't it really strange that the petroglyphs depict strange human-like figures with antenna Uh-oh. sticking out of their skulls? Yeah, you remember these. We're doing it again. Yeah, and that um, also, if you were to look at the Southwest ruins by the Puebloan people or Pueblan people that they mark the position of the star, specifically the constellation Orion's belt. So if you look at some of the uh, ruins by ancient Pueblan people, you can see that their ruins all make the shape of Orion's belt and then point the belt points to Chaco Canyon. Okay. And that you see this in various other places in ancient uh, architecture or city planning in Egypt and Heliopolis, you have ruins and pyramids and stuff like that that are lined up like like the Orion's Belt. And yeah. in the City of the Dead, the Mayan complex in the Street of the Dead in Mexico City also has an Orion's Belt that points at Cholula. And there's a lot of other places that they decided not to name that also show up. Um, but the one that they mm. wanted to draw attention to is Chaco Canyon, which is in New of Mexico. Um, yes. So yeah, the sites point at Chaco Can- in the Canyon. And um, according to them, they have a myth that the gods plan to destroy and then rebuild the world. So they built Chaco Canyon to measure the sort of potential of destruction to the planet because there's no other reason to build there. There's no running water. There's no good soil. Mm. And the way they do it is at a place called Fahada Boot, um, which is this place where you see sun daggers that show whether or not the world is in balance. So that's all the oh. things that they're going to talk that they that they claimed was the the whole story about Chaco Canyon. A lot of stuff to hit on. Yes. First things first, though, I want to get my extremely pe- not pedantic. I think this is an important thing, but my okay. specific Mesoamerican nerdy thing has to get out of the way, which is please do just to show how they kind of got off on the wrong foot on this story, no, especially with Tristan you, specifically. Um, you are all look, I I do. I love good some good pedantry and you are more than welcome to do it in the face of ancient aliens the tv show so please okay continue so just to show like a thing that puts a lot of uh questions into credibility uh they do refer to the street of the dead in mexico city Mm -hmm. uh being a mayan complex that points at the mayan complex of cholula i will refer to you that uh the mayans lived several hundred kilometers south of mexico city okay um and that uh they did not live like mexico city has not had mayans live in it um cholula is also not a mayan oh, site so they're just wrong <laughs> they just like they just called it mayan but this happens a lot yeah. when uh white people basically write about me- mesoamerican people so mm-hmm. uh cholula's wasn't mayan mexico city used to be called because the thing is that mexico city was built on top of what was at the time the largest one of the largest cities on earth it was larger than paris at the time of the arrival of the spanish um, it was a city called Tenochtitlan. Yeah, we've talked about this before. Yes, and it was the center of a massive empire, uh, which was like a triple alliance of city-states. But this was the sort of biggest one of the triple alliance. And this is typically referred to as the Aztec Empire, not the oh, Maya. 
little bit of a different thing yes there they also did not speak the maya language they spoke a language called nahuatl um mm-hmm. which is sort of the language that, and furthermore the maya lived in the southern part of mexico primarily in the yucatan peninsula which is known for being a, a very wet uh like jungly type place um, mm-hmm. I've been to Mexico City. Uh, anybody who's been to Central Mexico knows not very jungly, very uh, it's, it's what's called semi-arid. <laughs> um, it dry, mm, very it, dry, it, yeah, very different. Yes, very different thing. It's like the ancient aliens people probably watched uh, Pirates of the Caribbean, and they were like, "I loved that first movie where he steals the Mayan gold," and it's just like it was Aztec gold. It was man. Aztec gold. You got you can't conflate the two of them. They're not the same thing. Speaking of that, a disturbing percentage of the Spanish uh, gold reserve is still made up of melted down Aztec gold that maybe Spain should consider returning at some point. If Spain does return all the gold, I believe that's what breaks the curse. Yeah. Pirates of the Caribbean. So just just throwing that out. Just a little. All of your economic woes, Spain. Just a little. Just. From a little pointer from me to you, if you want to break that curse, maybe give it back. Oh, and also while you're at it, maybe returning uh, King Moctezuma II's headdress that was stolen uh, and is still in Spain to this day. When I was in the uh, Museo Antropología de México, which is like the big like uh, anthropology museum in Mexico City, they have a, a recreation of that headdress and it says, the real one is in Spain. We have asked the Spanish politely to return it at some point. And they said, eh, we'll get back to you. But the thing is that the... Sp- but conflation of Aztec and Maya people is very common and I don't like it. Um, For example, almost every single time, including one time on SciShow or not SciShow on um, what's it called? What's the other green video history thing on Crash Course? Crash Course. Yes. On Crash Course, they referred to a uh, what they referred to was as a Maya calendar stone was indeed the sunstone, which was dug up in Mexico City in the 70s. Oh, no. Yeah. Um, It happens happens a a lot. lot. Yes. A lot, a lot. So that's like, that's just one part. This has nothing to do with Chaco Canyon. That was just me being real, just to show that we already are off on the wrong foot when it comes to the way that they portrayed this. <laughs> so, so let's talk about, so, all right, now that we're a good bit into the episode, what is Chaco Canyon? Tell well, me about it. This all comes from a guy, all of their research that they did for this episode or all of their sort of evidence comes from a guy by the name of Gary David, who is a, who was introduced on the show as an archaeo astronomer which I found out is sort of a multidisciplinary field of like archaeologists who study the way that people in the past measured the stars and planets and stuff like that. But he's also the very red flag turn that we say a lot on ancient aliens, independent researcher. Oh, <laughs> yeah. So he's the one who came to the conclusion that there's these cities in Arizona that are shaped like Orion's belt and point at Chaco Canyon um, in mm-hmm. a book called the Orion zone, ancient star cities, of the American Southwest, which is a book that I had to purchase on ebay for 30 dollars so that i could do this episode and it was an impenetrable mess to read too (laughs) um he also wrote books and just to kind of give you an idea of the vibe of this guy he also wrote a book called eye of the phoenix mysterious visions and secrets in the american southwest the kivas of heaven ancient hopi star lore and star shine star shrines and earthworks of the desert southwest and his most recent book is mirrors of orion star knowledge in the ancient world keep in mind that this is a person writing about the hopi people about the pueblin people who goes by uh-huh. the name of gary david um, gary david so probably yeah. not a person 
from there. No. <laughs> not a person from that that culture. His his uh, bona fides is that he is the owner of a master's degree in English literature um, cool. and has appeared in uh, magazines by the names of Atlantis Rising, Fate, awesome. Phoenix, Mysteries, okay. Eric Von Daniken's uh, no. Sagenhafte Zeiten no. or Legendary Times. Yep, we're back. It's a but it's our Von Daniken. Von Daniken. UFO, just the mag- a magazine called UFO. Um, <laughs> and World Explorer. He's also been uh, featured in Graham Hancock Readers, Unraveling the Mysteries of Ancient Artifacts, which is on the uh, Ancient Origins, which is a pseudo-archaeology website. Of course it um, is. And also uh, wrote a, and also part of a book called The Disinformation Guide to Ancient Civilizations. Also, Astonishing Archaeology and Hidden History, which are all very academic-sounding uh, periodicals. Is, hold on. Is the Disinformation Guide to Ancient Civil... Is that, like, a tongue-in-cheek thing? Or are they, like, purposely being, like, this is us messing... This is us spreading <laughs> disinformation. I think they're trying to say that the, um, the experts Everyone are lying to you. Yeah, was dis- yeah I, I bet. But it, what a title, though. Mm-hmm. <laughs> It's accurate in a way they didn't intend. Yeah. So according to him, uh, you know, these cities in Arizona, these uh, monuments in Egypt and uh, and all these other places all seem to have the shape of Orion's belt. What is um, up with this guy's belt? Yeah. Well, why he, is it so famous? Why is it so? Po- I have a belt. No one keeps no one talks about Scott's belt. Well, according to ancient aliens that this shows that that's probably where the aliens came from. Oh, so, or I have another option, which is that. Um, Orion's belt is three stars in a line. Mm, unlike this podcast, which is uh, five stars. Five, five stars. stars five star podcast. Six stars, Thank even you. if you can manage it. Um, oh, that'd be great. But yeah, so Orion's belt is just three stars in a line with one of them slightly off. And you can imagine that there are many ways that people could arrange their cities or monuments so that they are in a line for some reason. Uh-huh. <laughs> like, for example, yeah, the Mayan road of the dead uh where they have these three monuments is a street with a dead end where there's like two on one side and then there's one monument at the end of the street oh. so you could have and then they're like look that's the shape of orion's belt it's a line it's this, a line we've done <laughs> we've done this episode before <laughs> this one a this line. feels like a one where we're we're like we're like like reaching back to like this is the part and i feel like as we do this show and we go deeper and deeper we're gonna have, to, we're we're gonna 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 have more and more we're gonna keep touching on all of like th- like we're this this podcast is going to have a deep canon and lore that you're yeah. going to have to like like we're going to have to refer back to episodes and stuff like that it's going to have a deep canyon Ooh. see what i'm saying there yeah. yeah also keep in mind too that orion being a constellation is a very culturally specific constellation and that every culture has completely different constellations of their own and so yeah. even putting a significance on orion's belt is sort of an imposition of like western constellations on ancient peoples from completely different parts of the world. Yeah, because we would see Orion's belt, but like other people could just see, I don't know, they might they might only see take one of those stars into account for a different constellation. Yeah. Or two, you know, like they don't, they don't, they wouldn't necessarily see all three and just highlight those three and be like, that's a significant constellation mm-hmm. the same way that, that we would. So Tristan spent a sad amount of time trying to find a map of the Hopi constellations. 
can't find mm-hmm. out. Mostly because probably, as I mentioned in uh, the episode that we did on the uh, religious background of the people here, they don't particularly want a lot of this stuff to be public because you're dealing into like um, parts of their religious practice that is kind of kept secret. So mm-hmm. that's like that's like how we're already off to the wrong foot. But but and like I don't want to steer the show at it. But what is Chaco Canyon? Well, that's that when I uh, dug in turned out to be a very interesting question. And we will find out. Okay. Right now? After this. Oh, okay. You know, I know that we typically get people, we ask people to review the show, rate and review the show after, like at the end of the episode, but I want to prove that this show is better than Orion's Belt. Mm -hmm. And so if we, if everyone can do five stars instead of three stars, we started out this show asking for four stars. (laughs) Yeah, that, that we will never live that one down. We want to beat Orion by a couple more stars. Five stars, rate us five stars on Apple Podcasts. As many stars as you can do yeah as many stars so chaco canyon is a canyon awesome uh in uh new mexico and it's about 14 kilometers long or nine miles thank you and on the canyon floor the people ancient uh puebloan people um who although this isn't the right name to go with these days that um just because this is a name that if you do recognize it typically the word that used to be used a lot was anasazi um okay but that term has fallen out of favor because it's sort of like um a a very not nice word that we used to use for inuit people uh in canada uh being a sort of term that another group gave them that sort of is a reference to like evil invaders type thing oh so that's no good yeah i know that i think that that it's basically considered a slur here in canada but i don't think it's considered one in america yet the one for inuit people oh the e word yeah (laughs) Um, i understand what you're saying now yeah i think it's it's definitely one that that i would at least try to avoid but yeah yeah. there aren't as many inuit people in america so I imagine it's that less is of a thing. True. So, anyways, this um, the biggest site is Pueblo Bonito, which is a uh, two-acre or 0. 0.1 he- 0.81 hectare uh, area. And it shows, um, it's a complex, but it shows some of the really amazing constructions that were done in this area because this complex has 650 rooms in it. That's a good Airbnb property. Yeah. You could be making money. Plus, it's also four stories tall and probably was for almost a thousand years the uh, the only apartment buildings in the entirety of the Americas. Oh, my God. I was joking. But like it is it's an apartment complex. Yeah. That's really fun. Yeah. Like the I think about oh, it like cool. this is this was um most of these things were built in the 11th to 13th century. So like the me- medieval times Super and they were old. building four story tall buildings that people were living in like apartments. Yeah. Because typically buildings usually would go outward not upward Mm -hmm. so four stories all the way back then that's impressive Mm -hmm. especially because that's really hard to do without steel Um, the reason why we built up is because we got a lot of steel the way that they were able to do it is that they had this sort of um masonry that was made of a mix of wood and uh mud basically but in order to make it uh strong enough they had to have extremely thick walls all of the walls of this complex were uh 91 centimeters thick or three feet whoa yeah the kool-aid man has no chance (laughs) the kool-aid man the kool-aid man just shatters on the edge of the things (laughs) 
and that there has a uh, there's a main central plaza that's uh, bisected by a, a wall that's precisely aligned to north and south. And that's the biggest complex, but there are other complexes that have more than 200 rooms. There's some that even have up to 700 rooms. So this is not even the only complex in Chaco Canyon. There's more. There's also plenty of ceremonial structures that are called kivas that are common in there. And those are sort of a Puebloan um, sort of Mm -hmm. place where you do religious ceremonies. I think they're still even used today in some uh, case. But kivas have a large part in um, indigenous, like Southwestern indigenous culture. Mm-hmm. And uh, they're built in proportion so that about 19 for for every like 19 rooms, there was one Kiva and these would be used for religious rites, but also for political meetings and had associations with the Kachina belief system, which is what we were talking about when we did our video or sorry, when we did our episode on the Zuni mm-hmm. and how it's a sort of religious structure that has a lot of uh, mystery and secret associated with it. So I try not to dig too deep into their thing because it's their thing. Yeah. And um, to the modern Hopi people and other Puebloan, Puebloan people, Kiva basically is a term now for a large circular underground room that's used for spirits. I don't I don't see a lot of circular rooms these days. It's true. Yeah to get back at it we're all into minimalism now um circles are too too fancy we have to it's all squares it's all squares and even and rounded rectangles oh uh uh, we are as as members of uh nebula we are contractually obligated to not say anything bad about rounded rectangles (laughs) that's true rounded rectangles are awesome actually yeah and more and even youtube's ain't on it now yeah good on youtube bevel every rectangle yeah i don't like corners yeah i'll say i'll say it I'm not afraid. I'm not in the pocket of big corners. I don't like corners. I don't. I want boxing arenas to have rounded rectangles. Yeah. I don't want them to get into their own corners. I want them to get into their own little divots, mm-hmm. their own little arches. This is a very strange yes and. <laughs> but as I said, these sites, despite them being like you know large and complex, are very old. The uh, the biggest sites seem to have their date of origin to about the 11th century, i.e., like 1000 A.D., which is in Europe was basically uh, the early Middle Ages. Mm-hmm. Essentially, like the fall of Rome was about 700 years before that. Oh, okay. So just to like because sh- like there's this whole false notion that indigenous peoples did not have like the same like level of like high construction and sophistication and empire building that a lot of Europeans countries did. Um, they did. Yeah. There's a lot of stuff like not only this, but like there's like Spanish explorers who went through places like modern day Arkansas and Florida and stuff like that, that wrote about seeing giant mounds and cities with roads between them and stuff like that, which then uh, were all destroyed ruins by the time the British showed up because of them uh, infections. Right. So the other thing too at this site that's really interesting is that they were really into turquoise who isn't which is sort of this uh this blue green mineral that contains copper and if you ever go to the american southwest they, there's so much turquoise and stuff it's almost oh, like a sort that of that why it's a blue green because it's copper and it's like oxidized yeah oh i had no idea i just put as soon as you said it had copper in it i was like that's why the color's there well it's mixed with I a bunch of other things that. but yeah the sort of green color comes from but like if you ever go to the south i mean you lived in texas there's probably some of this there too where like um, oh, yeah. a lot of like uh native art has turquoise in it yeah it's super pretty the other thing too is that ancient aliens wasn't wrong about the resources thing um oh chaco canyon is a lot drier than other parts of new mexico which is saying a lot <laughs> and it also has 
is uh, doesn't have the same sort of coniferous trees that are plentiful to other places in the state. What does coniferous mean? It's a That's type a of tree. It's like a, I think it's an evergreen tree. Oh, cool. Coniferous because it makes cones, like pine cones. Oh, see, you're putting it together for me in my head. So I didn't have any of those. Yeah. No Christmas trees. No. Uh, so because of this, there wasn't a lot of plants and wildlife in ancient times and probably has something to do with the fact that the site was abandoned a long time ago because of over-cultivation, over-hunting, habitat destruction, and overpopulation. Oh. Um, probably at its peak, when there was like a wet period, the most amount of people who could have lived in this area was about 2,000. Okay. But that is, and and so like, according to that, it's probably around sometime in like the mid 12th century, there was a 50 year drought. And that is when what the, what's called the Chacoan civilization started to flounder and kind of collapse. And it was by the time Europeans showed up, this region was abandoned it's because what happened was, is that they didn't have a lot of wood, which right. meant to, that they had to use a lot of uh, what's called chocolate, a royal cutting, oh. which is sort of a, a, a water intensive way of, of cutting, of getting forest stuff. So there's a lot of deforestation, which caused a lot of economic destruction because you need wood to build things. And in order to get the wood to build things, they would have to go like, you know, way far off to the mountainous regions. uh, And like like uh, one example is the Chuska Mountains and haul it back over 50 miles or 80 kilometers to the west to get it to uh, Chaco Canyon in order to build things. So you can imagine that that would have made um, building things uh, complex. So that that resulted in the community starting to uh, depopulate. And probably by the end of the 12th century, it had been almost completely abandoned makes sense but the thing is that there's a lot of these settlements there's a lot of like housing and apartments for a place that couldn't have held that much of a population and that was very interesting to people so the suspicion that archaeologists have is that this site was important as a sort of ritual site because the canyon itself happens to align with the uh, one of the lunar alignment paths which means that at night the moon sort of arcs over the canyon you can see it all the way from the time it comes up to the time it comes down that's cool yeah got i bet they got some cool photos back then Mm And we can tell on uh, on uh, pre-Columbian Instagram. <laughs> it took you a sec. Took, yeah. yeah, I'm like, wait, what? Um, <laughs> and and this um, the reason that this this bears weight, and this is also kind of part of what they were talking about with sun daggers earlier, is that it does show that there's a lot of evidence that people of this time had a large preoccupation with the stars. I mean, there's not a lot of clouds in New Mexico, and there's not a lot of trees or mountains. Right. There's mountains, but they're they're far enough away. So no you could imagine trees. Yeah. So you could imagine, I mean, you, like I said, you lived in Texas, so you know that that place can get very flat and very open. And you imagine living in a, a, a region like that, and then there's no streetlights and nighttime when the stars come out. Yeah. It would blow your mind. Oh, yeah. So um, it does seem that stars and the patterns of the sun and moon and stuff like that played a lot into them and pretty much all civilizations throughout history. Yeah, <laughs> yeah for sure. Yeah, makes sense. Stars are pretty. I don't know if you've seen any recently. Other uh, than the big one. Other than the big one that we see every day. Yeah, unfortunately, um, there's a lot of light pollution where I live, so I don't really get to see many stars. Plus, it's also, right now, as we are recording this, snowing pretty heavily. So mm. um, so the big the big thing about this site is a place called Fahada But. Or Fahada But. So, uh, yeah, But. Um, is that how you pronounce I say I Ute. say Butte. Butte. 
Boot, butt, B-U-T-T-E. It's either butt or booty, whichever one you want. I like, yeah, it's either butt or booty. It can't be any of the things we're trying to say to, <laughs> to sanitize it a little yeah, bit. Yeah. All right. Um, it's butt or booty. Butt or booty. Butter booty. Yes. Butter booty. <laughs> That's oh, not boy. a phrase I love. Yeah. Um, so the thing is that you can see that there's a lot of religious significance to this place because there's no water source there, but there's a lot of um, like small dwellings on the cliffs of this um, the structure. Mm-hmm. And if you look at some of the pottery found, it shows that they occupied this place sometime between the 10th and 13th centuries, obviously like during the time of the Chacoan civilization. And it was thought of being this place where there's just a few, like, you know, some art and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Until in 1977, an artist by the name of Anna Sofair went to Chaco Canyon as a uh, volunteer to write down all of the rock art because there's a lot of interesting, like, drawings on the rock. Like the people with the antenna, which we already talked about in a previous there episode, is not a thing. Um, it's not, not aliens, thing. everybody. That one, that's been pre-established. You can listen to Scott edit in what episode it is now. Um, you know what? <laughs> listen to all of our previous episodes. It'll be in there somewhere. Yeah. You'll eventually find it. Mm-hmm. So she was there recording some of the rock art. And one of the interesting ones were these petroglyphs that sort of showed this, this swirling pattern with these circles. Okay. And she noticed that um, at this place, uh, there's some interesting stuff. Stuff that goes on if you're there at just the right time and that's why it's kind of called the sun dagger site um so what happens is is that there's three stone slabs leaning against a cliff which cause uh shadows to leave markings on these petroglyphs on the cliff wall which basically ha- what happens is that a dagger of light sort of comes down through the uh through the swirling circle oh. and it bisects one of the spirals and uh what happens is that on the summer solstice it pierces it pierces the larger of the two spirals and okay. there's other uh sun daggers that like come down on very specific like circles there on the uh, winter solstice and the equinoxes. This is, yeah, this is like some Indiana Jones sort of thing where he's got the little staff and the sun comes in, shines in this way, mm-hmm. like manipulating the sun in, in the light in a very interesting way. Yep. Very Legend of Zelda, which is a reference you wouldn't get, Mr. Yeah. I don't play Nintendo. I never grew up on Nintendo. I have now one Zelda game. Is it also the Switch one? Yeah, it's Breath of the Wild. Breath of the Wild, yeah. And the other thing too, on top of that, is that one of these circles, uh, the biggest circle, also has a shadow that bisects the spiral as the moon rises at um, the extreme of the moon's 18 to 19 year cycle. So you can imagine aligning things so that it hits something that only comes every 18, 19 years is quite intense. Yeah. And then the thing is it also at its other extreme, which is nine and a half years later, the shadow of the rising moon falls on the left edge of the larger spiral. So like, like this is insanely like, it takes like so much observation to, to make something like this work. Incredibly thought out. Uh, incredibly detailed, precise, mm-hmm. very, very intricate, very cool. And according to ancient aliens, the re- they do this uh, because they know that if um, if it's off, then it means the Earth is too far out of axis, which means that the aliens are coming back to destroy them or something. Aliens are here. They messed with the Earth path and Earth is off because of the aliens yeah that makes sense to me now if you're thinking oh man i want to see this cool thing happen a couple bad things uh one one of those stone slabs that sets up the dagger has um settled and it means that um the summer solstice uh sun dagger no longer works uh this happened in 1989 or sometime in like the 1980s 
And, and that's just like a nat- that just happened naturally. No one did anything to it. They think that it probably happened because of not like that somebody destroyed it, but that like due to people like kind of wandering through the area and like leaning on it or something like that, that eventually it sort of slowly moved out of position and now Aww. it doesn't work. So I was hoping it would just be an accidental nature thing. No, but in 1989, um, luckily the uh, the National Park Service did uh, close off access to uh, Fahadaboot Fahadabuti because they believed that the uh, the the that foot traffic is what caused the the slab to move out of place. Right. Don't go there anymore. Mm-hmm. Now the other thing too, I never had a chance. I never had a chance to go there. You had a couple months at least, maybe a yeah. year. Yeah, it depends upon when they did it in '89. Yeah. I would have been mm. a wee babby, but if I was dedicated enough, I would have. Uh, you know, if I had that hustle grind set, I could have seen it. <laughs> You've la- I've I've always heard that you lacked that as a baby. You just didn't yeah. have that hustle grind set. I have a baby and he hasn't started a single business and he's almost 11 months old. Get a job, baby. All he does is sit around crying, eating, laughing adorably. Well, how much has he invested in crypto? None at all. Unbelievable. That's maybe get a new baby. Yeah, he hasn't even bought a single NFT. <laughs> I offered him an NFT that was like a rock wearing a hat or something. He didn't want yeah. it. Didn't, Instead, he wanted formula and hugs. He, he didn't. He didn't want to invest in Snazzy Stone. No, Snazzy Stone. Didn't want to invest in Snazzy Stone. <laughs> nope. I, 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 he he could have bought that for six hundred eighty thousand mm-hmm. dollars. It's worth about seventeen cents now, but that doesn't matter. You know, you it doesn't buy matter. the dip. It doesn't matter. It it dips and then it comes back and then we're going to the moon going and that's the, all that matters. To the moon. Speaking of the moon, petroglyphs. Yes. <laughs> That's what they were doing. They were uh, they were measuring when the stock was going to go to the moon. <laughs> <laughs> they were, so they were, if it was off, they knew that the aliens were here to come to 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 rug the the crypto. Mm-hmm. Oh my god! You know what's the most like? Um, this is completely off topic, but there was this amazing thing that kind of feels a little cryptocurrency like, which was mm-hmm. that there was this civilization. I want to say it was like in sort of uh, like New Guinea or something like that, where their money, their currency was like these giant rocks that weighed like hundreds of pounds and they couldn't oh. move them. So all that just changed was who they said owned it. Oh, <laughs> and so it feels a little bit like an NFT or something like that. That person owns it now. <laughs> yeah, that's Rob Stone. That's Rob Stone now. And I, and I remember like early on in the crypto craze, there was that company that auctioned an NFT or something like that of like ownership of like a cube that you were allowed to see occasionally or something oh. like that. It was very weird. That's a pretty good deal. Most of the times with the NFTs, you just, you don't even get the the image of the thing you just get like a link to the image you could say that you were an owner of a cube that was in a building and all if you were the owner of the nft the only thing you could do is that you could arrange to go see it that's more than most <laughs> nfts do i think it was so like that's a, actually a pretty good deal i think it's because early on in the crypto craze uh a cube made of tungsten became like a thing that they were obsessed with because oh tungsten's a very heavy metal and so if you buy a cube made of tungsten it's like you know kind of like really heavy thing it's a good fidget toy yeah and i don't know why but crypto people were really into that um early on super into it anyway anyways um the thing is that there's also some other sites that are close by that also have petroglyphs that show interesting patterns of light and shadow on solar noon um and also are very distinctive on the equinoxes and the solstices Mm -hmm. but also some people have thought that it's possible that this might just be chance who knows but it does show that they did have like a lot of awareness of this kind of thing which is really cool yeah and i would say chaco canyon is really cool you should go visit it but obviously um the boots you can't you can't you can't go into the booty anymore you can't um, go you can't <laughs> tristan 
Is that a phrase you want out there on the internet? I guess so. Oh, boy. You heard it here first, folks. Tristan says you can't go into the booty anymore. <laughs> you have to ask permission first. Um, Gotta ask. Yeah. Always always ask the government first before you go into the booty. Okay. Gotta stop. Gotta uh, stop. <laughs> but basically, like this is all I could find on Chaco Canyon. And again, I see zero place where aliens fit into any of this. Yeah. <laughs> I've seen zero things that's like, I have seen nothing where, even if they did manage to like build their like monuments on aligned with Orion's belt. Like I could see mm-hmm. them doing that because they too can see stars. <laughs> right. Even if it wasn't intentionally, like we see these specific three stars, which we don't even, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong. We don't even know if that was the case. Yeah. If they even, but even if it was, it doesn't mean anything about aliens. It just means that they saw, they could have seen those stars and we're just like, let's line it up. Let's yeah. line it up. They could have just done that. But again, um chaco canyon is really cool there's an amazing civilization that's like like just shows just how um deep and amazing indigenous civilizations uh way before like you know like hundreds of years before the first europeans arrived had built sophisticated buildings had a very intricate knowledge of the movement of the sun and stars and i kind of wanted to like jump in here and show that like there's this persistent myth i made a video a long time ago about this about how uh indigenous people like are were less technologically advanced than Europeans when Europeans arrived when really they were just as technologically developed they just grew up in different contexts and were more into different things like right um, there's like a stuff about like how early Europeans were like ah like these indigenous people don't have any farms they must just be like you know primitive people living off the land and it's like actually they did have farms they just had like farms that were made so that the plants all complement each other so that they didn't have like monocrops and they mm-hmm. were so healthy in that sense that you didn't have to maintain them so you could just come back and get free stuff later and yeah. like they did a lot of like stuff like uh intentionally burning down forest like areas of forest because they knew that uh edible plants would grow in places where it had burned so that if they came back the next year they would find like oh blueberries now or yeah. um, intentionally cutting down places so that grass would grow so that they could increase the um, the grazing land for buffalo that they could then move and stuff like that. Yeah, it's 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 people. Ju- it's like it was the it's the Europeans judging their intelligence based off of like judging indigenous sort of cultures intelligence off of their own sort of European yeah. ideas, which is obviously it's going to look totally like it's going to look quote unquote wrong to them because it's not what they're used to. Yeah. And like, like it, it translates to a bunch of things. Like for example, people were like, Oh, they didn't have guns. Well, it's like, well, First of all, Europeans didn't invent guns. Um, Arabs did. But the thing is that guns weren't really that useful for hunting until like the 19th century when rifling was invented. And mm. archery is a lot more, it takes more skill to learn, but it's more accurate and quieter. Or things like mm. how all of those Europeans, all their fancy boots were desperate to buy moccasins because moccasins were just way better designed. <laughs> like yeah. there's a sort of like retroactive uh, justification of all this stuff. This is all in four. 1891, the book by Charles C. Mann that I yes. think I recommended to you a long time ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, uh, and, and furthermore, like, again, people can be clever without aliens getting involved. And this is another case of exoticizing the uh, the indig- indigenous people, especially indigenous people of the Southwest, who have, we have kind of already established on this podcast, get unfairly um, 
sort of mythicized by people mm-hmm. in like the new age movement, but also in the UFO circles, um, mostly because they have a lot of religious practices that they don't allow to the public. And mm-hmm. they, and it means that they have a lot of like symbology and stuff like that. That is sort of, you know, not, we don't know what it's for and they don't want to talk about it. And that's fine. They don't have to talk about it. They don't owe you an explanation to their religious life. Yeah. And, and it, they've become this like lightning rod for pseudoscience and, or like, like a focus for woo. And like, this is a big, thing in the american southwest i think anybody who um who spends time in like places like new mexico and arizona know that there's like you know weird new age people uh show up for things there all the time and it's based on mm-hmm. basically like in exoticizing these people who are just normal people and in many ways um people who are treated rather shittily by uh the united states who dominates over them a lot of the reservations there are are not like people like the hopi and the navajo and like all like all these groups are not 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 having the greatest of times right i mean i i googled it just to make sure but yeah new mexico is is like the nickname for new mexico is literally the the land of enchantment which probably feeds into the whole new agey sort of stuff in a in a weird way yeah. i remember i think i talked about how my mom is sort of uh was sort of new agey i think she's less into it now but when we went to flagstaff arizona for a trip we had to go see the psychic vortex i don't know what a psychic vortex is but um sure. and, and i was like fuck that i'm staying home and playing video games like i'm staying in the uh the sort of like a cabin type thing i just stayed but what there video play- games but I, what video games did you play that was two that was the summer of 2002 and i had a game boy advance and i think the game that i was obsessed with on that road trip was castlevania circle the moon okay but yeah um maybe we should just like kind of appreciate how ancient the indigenous peoples of this continent are and how sophisticated their understanding of things actually is that's sort of the thing i'm getting at yeah so that is Chaco Canyon and the the stars. Now I can finally burn my copy of the Orion Zone that I had to pay a whole lot of extra money for because I didn't want to give money to um, <laughs> freaking uh, yeah Gary David. I was like I had to like go. I had to pay like fifteen extra dollars because I had to get it off eBay. And you know what? This podcast currently doesn't make money. Uh- <laughs> If you're listening to it, I think we had one sponsor once. So if you love this show and you want to help us make money uh, so Tristan can get his money back for the book and research materials and also just so we can live, get live so we can get live, then please tell your friends about the show. I'm skipping ahead. Tell your friends about the show. Rate us five stars. Do all of that stuff. Yeah, yeah. It really does help. It's, um, you know, sharing this podcast with people in your life that you like and everything like that, that you think would like the stuff is it's really great. Also, another way you can help out is um, checking out our other projects. Scott, um, I recently watched you and your wonderful girlfriend eat some of the most disgusting sandwiches I've ever seen in my (laughs) life. If somebody wants to watch you eat really gross sandwiches, where should they go? Currently, they have to go to Nebula. It only lives on Nebula right now, but it eventually will be up on my YouTube channel, NerdSync, N-E-R-D-S-Y-N-C. I made a whole bunch of Scooby-Doo sandwiches with my girlfriend. It was a blast. How, yeah, what, how, how was the sardines with chocolate sauce? Sardines with marshmallow fudge was not good. Not recommended. Not, wouldn't, would not recommend Tristan, you do other things as well. I've heard rumors. And you do them on a place called... Uh, step back. 
you go to yeah. stepbackhistory.com, you can find my YouTube channel where I talk about uh, basically why history is important for understanding the world we're living in. If you're listening to this on the day it comes out, which I think is like December or something. I see. Yeah. This episode's coming out on De- uh, December 6th. Oh, yeah. My sandwich video will be up on YouTube by then. Yeah. So uh, if you're watching this on the, if you're listening to this on the day it comes out, I should have a video about why the called why the political compass must die. <laughs> Do it. It's it's going to be pretty fun. And also go to probs.aliens.com com to like listen to the to get yeah. all this podcast where you can get it here's the thing normally we start this outro we're thrown off in this outro because normally we start by saying go follow us on twitter at probs not aliens but twitter i genuinely exist by now. i do not know i like i'm not exaggerating or playing up when i say i genuinely do not know if twitter will exist by the time that this episode comes i out. might eat these words but right before i came to record this show i was just reading from some twitter engineers because today was the day the day we recorded this was the day that elon musk said um like push hustle. yes or get fired <laughs> yeah he's like get on that hustle grind set yeah. push get yes up, or get, get fired but um yeah. apparently a lot of the outgoing engineers have pointed out that the stockpiling of problems means that twitter might have days not weeks so so if twitter's up you can follow us at probs not aliens but otherwise just follow us at our at our youtube projects that's nerd sync and step back we should get a probably not aliens mastodon or something probs not aliens mast i'll maybe i'll have to set that i don't know who knows anymore probs not aliens.com it's a website that we have mm-hmm. twitter can't take that from us yeah all right that's where you'll find us but that's all for now scott yeah once again i'm scott nicewander i'm tristan johnson and the truth is out there probably butter booty butter booty